Community Foundation, partnering with donors and nonprofits statewide to strengthen Maine communities through grants and scholarships on the web at maincf.org. The time is 9.58 and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor and streaming online at WERU.org. Talk of the Towns with your host Ron Beard is up next. morning and welcome to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing Maine communities, to share what works, to seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Towns is produced with support from Cooperative Extension, a major educational outreach program of the University of Maine with offices statewide. Cooperative Extension puts knowledge to work with the people of Maine and like WERU, whose mission is to be a voice of many voices, operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, and our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio, in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be of benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. Seems like we know, we kind of sense that the economy of Maine is evolving, and part of the reason that it's evolving is that people's um, needs are changing. Um, but the economy is still based on on natural resources, human resources, um, innovation, and and the focus of this program, education. Education adds a lot to the economy, and our guests in the studio can help us kind of understand that. And we also have um, someone um, by phone. So I'll introduce um, Renee Kelly. Um, Renee is uh, with us by phone. Good morning, Renee. How are you? I'm well, Ron. Good. And Renee is Director of Economic Development Initiatives, and she's the co-director of the Foster Student Innovation Center at the University of Maine. So we're going to ask her a little bit about um, that work um, in just a moment. Um, I'll also introduce our guests in the studio, and they are Bonnie Sparks. Bonnie is the director of the Hancock County Higher Education Center. Welcome to you, Bonnie. Thanks. And Mickey Sumter is with us. Uh, Mickey is um, with the Ellsworth Chamber of Commerce, and we were saying we're not sure how many years ago Mickey was on Talk of the Towns, but it was, it was a while ago. It was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to you, Mickey. Thank and you. Uh, Joan, and I, f- I haven't got your pronunciation of your, your last name, Piscura? That's correct. Okay. Well, Joan Piscora is a December graduate of um, the university um, centers, and she's working in the um, Hancock County and Washington County Drug Court um, system. Correct. Um, and we'll ask her a little bit about her experiences um, with um, higher education and how that um, relates to jobs and the economy. Um, maybe I'll start with both Renee and, and Bonnie and, and maybe some comments from Mickey about where they see um, the main economy headed. Um, we certainly have had a past that's um, very much rooted in, in natural resources. Um, uh, Renee, give us a sense of where you think the economy is headed now. Well, I think that we will continue to build on our strengths in natural resources, and that's part of what makes Maine unique and what we have to offer. But you'll start to see a lot more innovation and technology infused in those natural resources-type businesses. Plus, I think there's a huge opportunity in Maine that we haven't been able to capitalize upon before, perhaps because of our location um, in the world. But given the technology that's available today and a lot of the work that's being done to increase um, broadband capacity in the state. Um, there are now companies and careers that are being opened up in places where it doesn't matter where in the world you are to do your work, um, but you can do those things, things like media and, and creative work and, and um, a lot of different opportunities like that. Mm. Um, Mickey, what would you add to that? Um, you've been working at the in the field of, of uh, kind of economic de- and community development as uh, head of the Chamber of Commerce in Ellsworth for many years. How do you see those things changing, and, and what what are the trends you're beginning to see? Well, I think I you know I agree with Renee. I mean, there's still that basic, and we're going to have to we have to grow with that. But we also because of the technology and stuff, it has it, we've grown. And we will continue in that with the economy. But we'll be looking at the healthcare fields. We'll be looking at small industry. You know, we'll, we'll continue to look really, really closely with the financial and see what all the, the banking worlds are doing and how we can help and how we can be part of that. And I think it all goes back to, to, to the technology of it. And it also goes back to making sure education occurs mm. because all of these 
positions, jobs, all the industry. If we don't have the education, then we can't do that. Mm. And Bonnie, um, to you, what, what are some of the trends and, and how do you see uh, the, <coughs> the broad field of education contributing to the economy? Well, um, broad, I'll speak broad to yes. Hancock County. Um, I think that certainly natural resources is something that we, like Renee is saying, we'll, we'll build on. Mm -hmm. But what I see in Hancock County is more of a, a focus um, in terms of human services, services to our community and individuals in the community, and kind of a ramping up of students' abilities to um, meet those needs using technology, um, being efficient, being good problem solvers, conflict managers, um, and doing it all within um, an environment where they have to do more and faster. And then, of course, um, in terms of the economy and the interface of higher education, um, our students are, are active in the business community. I'm seeing a, a lot more of our students interacting with that community and, and, and building their skills um, in those fields as mm -hmm. well. Um, Renee, b uh, back to you. Um, tell us a little bit about the uh, the uh, university's initiatives in um, what I would broadly call technology and innovation. You're um, right at the heart of that at the University of Maine. Sure. Well, you know, it's sort of twofold. There's the um, actual creation of the technology, and then there's educating the students both um, about the technology but giving them hands-on experience to mm -hmm. do um, real-world projects and be able to be the innovators of the future. So the university has some, some really world-class programs in areas like um, composite materials and forest products and, and biotechnology and nanotechnology. And the university is creating new technologies that are creating opportunities for either new companies to start or for existing companies to grow. Um, there are several companies um, within Maine that have recently adopted technologies developed um, in partnership with the university that they're using as new product opportunities to grow and, and keep their current employees um, hired and to bring on new people, um, hopefully. But we're also in the process of developing these technologies, giving our students real-world experience doing this type of work. So um, it's really quite incredible as some of the undergraduate students even get to do hands-on work um, creating brand new technologies like the Bridge in a Backpack um, project that is now a new company and um, bridges are being built out of, these new bridges are being built out of composite materials around uh, not just Maine now but um, around the country. And to have that experience while you're a student gives you the kinds of skills that when you go out to work for a company, um, you can help develop these new technologies. Uh, we Go ahead. Yeah, Mickey, did you want to add something about the bridge in the backpack? Right. It, this was very interesting. Two years ago, we used that group. And the city of Ellsworth and all, we got together because we had investors and we had business owners needing a bridge. And they didn't know where to go. And so we brought in the University of Maine and we really worked with them. And they created, uh, you know, a pilot program for us and the bridge. Where's now, the bridge now? <clears throat> What's well, on paper right now? Oh, okay, but the investors are looking at it, mm -hmm. and it should be very, <clears throat> excuse me, very good to connect some of our back roads, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so people can get around Ellsworth much easier than going straight just on High Street. So uh -huh. we have used those those students, and it was very very beneficial Great. to the businesses. Renee, other examples, um, stories that you could tell about either businesses that are using technology developed at the university or students who are, who are now kind of in place um, who have experienced the technology and now putting it into use? Sure. Um, you know, for example, um, Textech Industries in Monmouth has recently um, they've taken some of the technology that the university has developed to um, to build basically structures that help protect soldiers in the field. Mm. And um, those are now being developed by TechStack and, and delivered you know, in places where soldiers are, are in harm's way. And, and students got to work on um, those projects as well. Um, in the bioproducts areas, we have a number of students who've done you know, really kind of amazing research. And um, Old Town Fuel and Fiber, which is um, formerly the paper plant, pulp and paper mm -hmm. plant um, in Old Town, 
um, has taken a lot of the technology developed at the university, and they're really looking at not just being a pulp mill in the future. Um, in fact, they're already doing this. They're developing um, other types of products from the um, wood material, biomass that comes through their mill, um, high-tech chemicals that give them an additional revenue stream that helps stabilize that mill so that it can you know, overcome the ebbs and flows in the commodity um, pulp market. And um, again, students got to work on that project. It's, it's helped create jobs um, in the Old Town area and um, is a really exciting opportunity just in the university's backyard. Uh, and, and a great example of going back to that natural resource base. Exactly. But using technology to make it more efficient right. and more profitable. Right. Um, you're also involved in something called innovation engineering. Um, tell us a little bit about that program and how you're trying to um, kind of spread that program statewide. Sure. Um, it's a program that we developed about five or six um, years ago. Uh, we were developing um, a center on campus, the Innovation Center, where I now work. And um, we were really thinking about the purpose of that center was really to, to start to create opportunities for students while they were still in school. Um, before um, we created the center, we had a business incubator where some of these new technologies and new companies are, are getting off the ground. And we started to see a number of students going there for advice because they wanted to start companies while they were still students. And we saw the potential of that. And one of the things that we want to try to do, obviously, is help uh, students see where there are opportunities to create their own future in Maine versus feeling like they have to go out of state um, to find good opportunities. So we, we thought about creating this entrepreneurship center on campus. And uh, while we were doing that, we had the good fortune of a campus visit by one of our um, alums, Doug Hall, who for the last 25 years or so has worked with major corporations like Nike and Disney, the U.S. government, to help companies develop new products and services and, and be innovative and, and keep their companies profitable and competitive. And he came to us and said, you know, it's great to teach students about entrepreneurship. You can teach them how to write a business plan and, and how to do accounting, but if they don't have a good idea to begin with, then none of those skills mm. are going to help them. Mm. So we should also teach them innovation. And, um, and I've collected a lot of research, and I could work with your faculty to help develop a program where we teach students a systematic approach to innovation. You think of in the, innovation coming in the, in the middle of the night with a light bulb going off, but what you're saying <laughs> is that th there's a process that you can kind of teach people to be more innovative. Exactly. Uh -huh. uh, you c there, are, there are lots of steps. Uh, well documented by lots of research that, that you can use, and it's so powerful for the students to get away from that concept of the light bulb going off <laughs> to, to think about, it doesn't matter if I have a problem here. I'll just sit down and use the tools and the skills that I have to come up with an idea to solve that problem. Mm. So we teach them that, and, and then also how to communicate their ideas effectively because you could have the greatest idea in the world, but if you can't explain it to others and explain the benefit of it, then... It's not of much value to you. And thirdly, how to test your ideas. Um, you know, how do you know if that idea you came up with is worth pursuing, is worth investing time and energy and money um, into? So we teach a process we call fail fast, fail cheap. Mm -hmm. In other words, test your idea without a lot of money, without a lot of investment in time. Do quick ways to do market research, quick ways to, um, to see if the product will actually work and, and build upon those sort of small experiments um, to determine whether, yes, you definitely want to move forward with this innovation mm -hmm. or not. So we've been teaching our students that. And then a couple of years ago, we decided, well, it's, it's, if we're going to change, help change Maine to make it more innovative and, and help the students stay in Maine, we can't just teach the students because if they go out to work in a business that doesn't know how to do this, then mm -hmm. uh, they might get shut down. So let's teach the business leaders how to do this as well. So we created sort of an executive education version of this program, um, which we've uh, now run several times in the state of Maine. We've trained nearly um, seven or 800 business leaders in Maine, um, and we've also been actually teaching around the country mm. uh, for the last two years. So um, it's really um, caught hold with the business community, too, and now we're starting to see the linkages between our students and the business community. The businesses want to hire our students. They want right. to have interns. Um, who can help them build an innovative culture within their company where they have this sort of virtuous cycle of coming up with ideas, 
figure out what will work for their company, implementing them, and then having the next idea in the pipeline um, to move forward with. Those sounds like really successful formulas. Another aspect that you've uh, mentioned to me is is um, the work that the university is doing to um, help get students in the pipeline. Those students who are maybe in K through 12 um, yeah. before higher education, um, you're trying to help those students and, and the teachers who teach them and the school systems and so on um, think about how this kind of creative engineering, this, this uh, innovation um, might work in their areas and, and using technology. Tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. Well, um, certainly you know, many of the careers of tomorrow, whether they're um, in natural resource type businesses or healthcare or, or any type of industry, you're going to have to be able to use technology. So having, um, having kids exposed to STEM careers, in other words, science, technology, engineering, and math mm. early on, we just don't have enough students going into those areas. And then these innovation skills um, are really important. And, you know, we teach, as I mentioned, we teach our students in the innovation engineering program about this fail fast, fail cheap, but that's a hard concept even for our students at ages, you know, 18 through and so on. Right, because, um, because most of us want um, winners. And want so to succeed. We don't ever want to right, fail, right? right? Yeah. So, um, so one of the things we've been doing is reaching out to some school systems um, and partnering with organizations like Cooperative Extension to expose um, kids at earlier ages to this idea of innovation. Yes, you can create your own ideas. So we've been um, uh, working with some schools um, like um, uh, SAD 22, um, Hamden, Newburgh, and Winniport um, to put some innovation in their curriculum, work with their students. Um, they're building a new high school um, that will open next fall, and they want to have um, courses that include these innovation engineering concepts. We've been working with United Technology Center and Herman High School on um, ways to introduce students to some of these innovation concepts as well as giving them opportunities to um, understand um, engineering and, and science and technology type opportunities earlier um, on um, and even per perhaps even get some college credit while they're still um, in high school. Uh, recently, Bangor High School announced that they're, they're hoping to do a STEM academy Mm -hmm. And the university has been a, uh, an integral partner in that opportunity as well. Well, Renee, thanks so much for kind of catching us up about some of the, the work that you're doing and the university is doing um, to pr promote um, technology and innovation as really a, a part of the foundation for tomorrow's economy. My pleasure. Great. Renee Kelly is the Director of Economic Development Initi Initiatives, and she's the co-director of the Foster Student Innovation Center at the University of Maine. Thanks for being with us. You're tuned to Talk of the Towns here on WERU, and we're talking about careers for today and tomorrow and what the, higher, what the role of higher education is in preparing students. In the studio with us are Bonnie Sparks, who's director of the Hancock County Higher Education Center, Mickey Sumter of the Ellsworth Chamber of Commerce, and a recent graduate of um, their programs, uh, Joan Piscura, um, who is now um, employed in the uh, court system, working on, uh, in the drug court system. Um, Bonnie, let's get your perspective on, on the, the, the more, more specifics about the role of um, higher ed and, and the center that you've um, directed for how many years? 20? 20. Three. 23 <laughs> years. And um, what, was, what was at the heart of starting that center? What were some of the things that were going on then, and, and how has that shifted mm -hmm. and changed? Well, um, the center opened in 1989, and that was, at that point in time, the state of Maine recognized it needed to provide ready access to higher education for uh, Maine, all Maine residents. Um, so not everybody's going to go to Orono or to Augusta right. or whatever. Um, we, we need other campuses. That's exactly. Right. And um, so the concept was to provide access. Mm -hmm. um, and that was for uh, residents, but also the workforce. Um, we needed to boost higher education attainment um, in our state. And um, people who are worker learners can't travel to campuses. Um, they can't give up their jobs um, to attend classes on a daytime basis. Um, so at that point in time, the initiative was interactive television. Um, there were over 80 sites throughout the state of Maine, uh, seven uh, university system centers. Um, today, you know, 
23 years later, uh, the centers are still in existence, but excess is even greater. I, and I think by, I think it was by about 96, I could say in Hancock County that everyone in Hancock County was within 15 miles of a college degree. Mm. Um, today, I can say that everyone has access to a college degree from uh, the university system and, and some programs within the community college system um, at home mm. uh, on their laptop. Um, so there's been huge changes. So that's a, an example of technology coming into our lives in, in ways that were imagined 25 years ago right. and now are really coming into, into fruition. What, what is that like for um, student? Joan, you took part in these classes. Mm-hmm. What was the interaction between you and the, and the center and technology? What was that like? Well, it was a learning curve. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I was not very proficient with computers, but um, the staff at the center were very good at teaching the basics and um, encouraging students to go on and experiment and explore. Um, Maybe mo- using that um, fail fast and fail, you know, often, but that, that right. so that you learn. Right. Yeah. Uh, the really great thing about the center is um, they're always interested in, in the university system as a whole. They're interested in how um, they can in, improve the technology for students. And they will often ask students, how did this work for you? Mm. Um, was it easy to use? Uh, was it accessible as you would like it to be? So I think that's really important um, to get students involved and that kind of yeah, stuff. They're, they're, they're the, the drivers <laughs> in, in the car that they're, they're kind of purchasing. Right. Um, so they're, you're asking those kinds of questions. Bonnie, if we were to visit the center, what would we see? What, describe um, what that looks like today. Um, if we walk down the corridors, what would, how would mm-hmm. we see uh, the center? Well, um, you'd actually see a variety of what we call delivery modalities. Um, The typical on-site traditional classroom. Um, Almost all of the classrooms are equipped with large flat screen televisions and so in some of those uh, classrooms you'll see students see students studying, small study groups, kind of the collaborative learning experience. Um, They're sharing maybe a presentation they're working on. Um, uh, They've hooked up their computer right to the flat screens. Um, You might see some students Skyping. You might see somebody doing a job interview um, Mm -hmm. on on Skype. Uh, One of our classrooms is set up to to uh, to have a large flat screen um, so that it's a comfortable Skyping experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you'll see interactive television, um, which is an old modality, but a lot of students still really like that because they are seeing a watching a live broadcast and they're seeing the faculty member. Um, and there are many students who who still enjoy that, although. Um, some would say, well, we're beyond that. Um, and then you'll see many students who are sitting at computers and they're participating in an online class, either uh, something that's use, using streaming video um, or a strictly online web-based um, course where they're engaged in, with other students, uh, faculty. So there's all kinds of mm. modalities going on. And most students, they appreciate the opportunity to mix modalities. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, 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 yes, there are many who for whom online is very accessible. They need that. They work. They have ch- children, families, et cetera. Um, but most like to mix the modality, doing something on-site, online, or ITV and online. Um, and many of those students, even online learners, will come into the center because even though it's very accessible to, 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 to do that at home, they seek the learning environment, the learning community. Um, there's something about being at home doing your online <coughs> class that you need to put a load of wash in the washer and it's kind of like you're torn, mm-hmm, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So students will tell me, I, I, I need right. to come yeah. in to and, the And center. who are the students? Um, I know that there's no typical student, but mm-hmm. c- can you generalize mm-hmm. a little bit? Um, most of our students, uh, well, our, of course, 
uh, the center is a blended center with the community college. So most of our university students, are, are they average around 35, I would say about 75% women, increasingly number of men. Um, they um, almost, uh, in our community college students, average age is about 25. Um, actually, about 85% of our students work. And that's actually true of um, students on university campuses mm. as well. Um, the students, um, they're working, going to school, have families. Um, many of them have com do have computers at home. Um, most of them are going to school part-time. About 75% of them are receiving financial aid. Um, it, adult students are eligible mm. to apply for financial aid. And part-time students are, if they are income eligible, can receive financial aid for being part-time students as, as well. And you mentioned the blend between university and, and community colleges. And maybe our listeners aren't aware of that um, change or that, mm -hmm. that innovation, really. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, about... I would say five or six years ago, um, the university system, the, the chancellor's office, uh, working with um, Eastern Maine Community College, um, developed a partnership at the center. I consider it to be um, a model partnership um, th from a variety of models in the state. And we truly are blended. A student is uh, treated seamlessly uh, when they come into the to the center, no matter whether they're a university student. Um, the idea is to be blind to um, institutional affiliation. The resources in the center um, belong to all students, again, blind to um, affiliation. We, it's very cost effective. Um, our, the staff uh, are university employees, but Eastern Maine Community College has trained us. We use their student information systems. So um, they are working with both of those systems to need, meet the needs of students. And this year, for the first time, we've shared curriculum. So we actually um, have stu uh, one faculty member teaching in a classroom, teaching to both university and community college students. And that innovation, if you will, um, has allowed us to increase the course options to our students. Um, if I had to offer two, sets, two, two, right. two courses, I couldn't make it run. Right. So um, it's, it's been um, a, a wonderful pilot project. Um, great for students because they, they're getting that, that mix um, of perspectives. And, and they are different. I mean, the two institutions are, have a different culture. And now students are in the same classrooms. Faculty um, really like it because the community college students tend to be a little younger. Mm -hmm. um, so it brings a different perspective mm -hmm. in. So I think that was, that was like, wow. Um, <laughs> we, to sh to ha see two institutions of higher education share curriculum um, is to have broken the turf boundaries. Uh -huh. And Joan, what was your experience? Did you see um, um, that blending happen when you were taking courses? I was not <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> privy to that. Um, however, I did take many courses from many different campuses, uh -huh. um, Machias, Fort Kent, um, mm -hmm. and University of Maine, uh, Orno. Um, and it was fantastic because not only are you exposed to a different type of faculty member, you're also exposed to different types of students who have different types of opinions and attitudes. Right. So Getting ready for whatever you're going to do afterwards. Absolutely. Right, right. And what was your path? Well, how did you decide that um, this was the time to, to go um, and, and get a university degree? How, what was your story? Uh, it was a goal, a life goal of mine mm -hmm. to obtain um, a four-year degree. Um, I knew I wanted to be in the social services field in some capacity, but not quite sure um, in what field. Mm -hmm. um, and then it dawned on me, my husband, who was the breadwinner, what would happen to my family if something happened to him, and I needed to be able to 
make sure that their security was there mm. too. So mm. being able to be trained in a job where I could support my family mm. was important for me to do. But mainly I did it for myself. I, I like to learn. Um, and the environment that I was in was very conducive to that. It was very, um, you can do it. And um, you're smart. And there was a lot of uh, motivation, both external and internal, to do to get my degree. Mm, great. I just want to remind listeners that they're tuned to Talk of the Towns. We're talking with folks around uh, the topic of careers for today and tomorrow, and what's higher ed, higher education's role in preparing students uh, for tomorrow's jobs. In the studio with us, you've just heard from a recent graduate of the, the uh, University uh, Center, uh, Joan Piscura. Uh, Mickey Sumter is with us from the Ellsworth Chamber of Commerce, and we'll come back to her in a, in a few moments. And Bonnie Sparks is the director of the Hancock County Higher Education. And now we're joined uh, by phone by Jean Edwards, and Jean is an instructor um, at the at the center. And um, welcome to Talk of the Towns, Jean. Thank you. Good morning, Ron. Glad to have you with us. Um, tell us a little bit about um, what you teach and and uh, what, what what what's satisfying, what's rewarding about the role that you play at the university center. Okay, I am part time faculty, and I teach in the psychology area. So I teach intro to psych, uh, I teach human development, and uh, this semester interviewing and counseling, uh, all within the psychology department. Mm. And, and what attracts you to this group of students? Um, what's special about this group of students for you? It's a, it's a really heterogeneous group of people. I have had people from, even from Ellsworth High School, juniors or seniors, and people who have been in their 60s. Mm. We have recent high school graduates, as well as, as for example, Joan, who is a pretty typical of someone, a non-traditional student who always wanted to go to college, but came back um, in thirties in their thirties or forties and are very interested in learning as much as they can but also have a lot of life experience mm. which is something that the younger students don't have so there's a nice kind of mentoring that sometimes goes on between the older students and the younger students the younger students however are very technologically savvy <laughs> which is something that sometimes the older students aren't. So you'll also see a sharing of skills between older and younger. Another thing that I like about teaching on site is that it feels like we're helping really create that community of students, that identity. They're all college students. They work together, they share skills, and it's pretty exciting. And it's also pretty pretty interesting at times. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> <laughs> and and have you, um, besides Joan, have you tracked a particular student that you can tell us about? Maybe you don't need to list their name if you don't want to, but um, somebody that you've kind of seen use this, this education and then gone on to, to uh, uh, make a mark for themselves or for their community. Well, I think of a couple of students, and I'm, they're still developing, so mm, I don't know sure. kind of what's happening, but one student I recall in a class, and she had a great deal of difficulty getting there, but she was, she was a bright girl and bright woman, and she, uh, she did fairly well. One of the things that we have in the hallways is we set up displays of student art, because there are art classes and one day, I was looking at some of the student art, and I saw marvelous drawings, just just really skilled drawings. And I looked, and there was the student that I'd had in the class before, and I realized that she had tremendous ability in terms of visual arts. And it, that just opened my eyes to how we see, I see one aspect of students in my class, but they have other abilities and other interests, too, that can be developed in that environment. 
Well, that's great, a great story. And, and that sense of, of both um, a physical place is sometimes needed to bring that out and the, 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 uh, um, the nurturing of community. It sounds like you've had a, a role both in your classroom sense but also um, uh, at, at the school itself. Yes, and I, I really like to see the students, the students who do pretty well and are older, really do take an interest in other students. Mm-hmm. And you see some of those younger students really responding to that. They haven't had that before, so that they broaden their perspective. They start questioning things. And especially when it comes to working with critical thinking in the classroom, uh, problem-solving, being creative, coming up with creative solutions. You see sometimes older students with more life experience able to really nurture those younger students, especially working in small groups. I see that a great deal. Mm. We, we hear the, the word bandied about a learning community. Sounds like um, what you're describing is a learning community. Yes, I really agree with that. Great. Well, thanks so much for being with us for a few minutes this morning, Jean. Thank you very much, Ron. Good. Jean Edwards, uh, an instructor at the um, uh, the Hancock County Higher Education Center. Um, Mickey, you've seen Mickey Sumter. You've seen this um, all develop over over the period of years that you've been working in Ellsworth and the Chamber. What, what are some of the um, observations you would have about the impact of this kind of education? Well, first of all, I have to tell you, it is a community, and it's a whole. They work with the whole person. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't go in there and, and, and it's, you know, like departmentalized. It's the whole person. And, you know, they, they talk about, you know, all the students and where what the students are doing. Well, I think one thing that's a very key thing is that the business community can go in there. They're invited in there. I mean, we have a lot of meetings there. We have a lot of connections there. So we feel like we're part of that community. So now you have the the whole Ellsworth community there or the area. Mm-hmm. So th- that has been key. Another part of it is the training. I mean, if I, if I call Bonnie or one of the instructors or whoever and I say, you know, here's what people are looking for. Well, you feel pretty safe when they say, okay, we can recommend this or we can, you know, recommend this person or whatever. So the business community and the educational community work hand in hand. And that, for me, because of Bonnie and all of who she has working for her, that's been key for these last 12 to 14 years for mm-hmm. me. Um, it's been very unique because I used to work in higher education, but it was in the bubble because I was like on campus and I was a director and it was like it was a bubble. And here it's reality. So mm-hmm. when, when people are talking about the students, you know, older and younger, well, they have to face reality. And these younger students see some of these these women and men who have to raise families and have to get their education so they can move on. You know, I met with the, this one young student who was a lobster fisherman for his father. He was making lots of money. But it, it, he finally got it. He had to have that education too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now he has his business plan. He's doing that. And that's through this system. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, with the business community, it's a key to us. I mean, f- 12 years ago, Bonnie started a program with me with Elder Hostel. Well, that's not too many communities do that. You know, and now. How because, does that actually work? Well, it was the older 55, I think, now. I was so young there. I wasn't <laughs> part of that. But 55 or over, and you know, they come and they take educational classes. They stay in this area. And here's Bar Harbor, Ellsworth. We are the tourism capital. Mm-hmm. So we could combine that. So there's, there's another part of education and business getting together and really and believing in it and booming. Right, and, and that notion that education doesn't stop at a particular age. That's um, right. It continues lifelong. So we had that. And then also what, and with Bonnie's leadership and all of her people, they started Leadership Hancock County, mm-hmm. you know, and I know that you're involved. So, but if we didn't have the center... Some of that would not have been happening, you know. And then we had the bridges program where the businesses and the students come together. So now there that's, are, that's not the backpack bridges. That's a different kind of. That's bridges. a different type so of bridge. Describe that, or Bonnie. You Bonnie that? can explain yeah. that more. Well, um, we had a bridges program that was for teachers and um, business people to take some time at the end of the school day. We and the businesses were gracious and hosted the teachers and talked about um, their business. 
um, the economic impact of the business to the community, the number of employees, the type of training they're looking for, um, the business's issues in terms of um, education and training. You know, if they were um, accepting applications from high school, students right out of high school, were those students successful? If they weren't, why not? Mm. What, what, can, what can we do mm-hmm. to I- improve um, the training and the students' readiness to be in the workforce? So, um, so the Bridges program in that model is, um, is very hands-on, very interactive between the educational and business community. Well, it sounds like there's not a, the, the gap that we sometimes hear about mm. of, of um, the business community saying to the education community, do more of this. It's... You're t- you have a conversation going, mm-hmm. so you're anticipating those needs. It's not there's not the gap, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And of course, you can never. I think in this particular instance, you can never talk enough mm-hmm. in terms of mm-hmm. readiness um, of students and and helping them transition from a classroom or or online to to the to the workforce. Um, you can never talk enough right. about readiness. Well, let's invite our listeners. You said we could never talk enough. Let's <laughs> invite our listeners to talk with us um, here at uh, Talk of the Towns, one 625 9378 If you've got a question or a comment or perhaps your, uh, the experience that you'd like to share of, of kind of bridging education and um, the world of business, the world of employment, give us a call, one 625 9378 Or if you're calling locally, 469-0500 here on Talk of the Towns. Uh, Bonnie, tell us a little bit about the the leadership program. I know we want to do a a program on that uh, later on, but many um, uh, counties have had leadership programs. There are certainly statewide leadership programs. You've started one in Hancock County. Tell us a little bit about that, and then we'll take a phone call. Right. Well, actually, it's the steering committee. It's a partnership. Um, uh, The chamber, the center... um, I'm trying to think, a couple of other uh, community, business community members we got together and and it took about, and Ron, you would know this because (laughs) it was a long time, I would say about close to 12 years or more. The conversation happening. Exactly. And to to be sure that there was investment Mm -hmm. because you need investment. And the concept is uh, similar to the Bridges program in that um, we take emerging leaders or or, or applicants, um, uh, people apply to the program, um, and they're emerging leaders from business uh, and organizations um, throughout Hancock County. Um, This year there are 16 participants, and they will be spending six days over the course of about six months and uh, uh, visiting a business. And in the morning session, um, we've hired facilitators to work with them on leadership skills, communication, supervision, networking, uh, conflict management. Um, And then in the afternoon, uh, they spend that time with a host business. Mm -hmm. And again, it's looking at the, the economic development piece. What does that business do in the community? What are the issues? What are the challenges? Um, as as leaders, what do we need to know so that as we move into the future as a community, um, we can begin to mold policy in environments that grow people and business. Mm. Great, great description. And I said we may be able to uh, devote a whole program to that later on. 1-866-625-9378 here on Talk of the Towns. We do have a caller if you'd like to tell us your name and where you're calling from, and then go ahead with your question or comment, please. Good morning. My name is Eric. I'm calling from Camden. And this may or may not be the right form to (laughs) voice voice this concern, but it sounds like there's some people in the room that that could address it anyway. um, I'm a current nursing student uh, through the university system, actually going through Augusta. Uh-huh. Um, I had started at the UROC program and have taken um, taken and attended courses in several different sites um, throughout the state. The, the you know the Prestile site and you know there's various various other ones. I think there's one from Fort Kent. So anyway, I've taken courses um, online through several different sites. And a, a mild frustration I have is that when I enter down the line a graduate program. Um, what I'm going to have to end up doing is um, retaining transcripts from all these different sites, which are all part of the University System of Maine. Um, but when they transfer over to my UMA transcript, they all come over as T's. So whether you know, so I can't really have a um, an ongoing um, accurate reflection of what my real GPA is. Mm. Um, 
Uh-huh. And so, uh, professionally, it may not make that much difference because when I get my RN, um, that will be its own licensure. Uh, but then again, like I said, when I get into a graduate program, that's going to be, you know, a little bit frustrating. It won't be terrible, but it'll be a little frustrating. And I was just wondering why why there isn't more connection or more, you know, like um, like compatibility or just talking between the different types of centers since they are all part of the university system. Um, well, we'll see if we can get some response. But my response is that you're seeing a system that's that's um, uh, evolving, <laughs> and that right, it started right. out probably much worse than you, what you're experienced, <laughs> and it's sure. getting better, but it's not there yet. It sounds like. Yeah. But thanks for your yeah. call, Eric. Thank you so much. Bye. Yeah, Bonnie, response to that? Well, um, first off, all kudos to him for um, persevering. Being, right, right, persevering, being in the nursing program, and um, also for looking on to its graduate school. Mm. And I think, Ron, you said it absolutely right. I mean, um, we are evolving. The fact that he could take courses from all of those campuses and send those credit hours back to his campus of matriculation, which is Augusta, says uh, just oodles about um, the system's ability, the campus's ability to to work with distance students. He, as a distance student, has been able to, it's like cherry picking, he's been able to pull from um, the all of the campuses to build his, um, on his degree program. The second thing I would comment on is um, the University of Maine at Augusta and at the Ellsworth Center, um, we have their nursing program as well. And he referred to the the program at UROC and um, and um, there's also the Belfast Center. They have uh, the University of Maine at Augusta's nursing program, and it's a distance program. Um, our students are at the Ellsworth Center doing their nursing courses, and then they do their nursing clinicals in local hospitals. Um, and they have a preceptor and a clinical supervisor at the centers. Um, but the lectures, the courses are delivered at a distance. It, UMA has been able to deliver nursing programs to Ellsworth, mm-hmm. Machias, Callis, Rockland, um, Bath Brunswick. Um, I'm trying to think. I think I'm missing one. Mm-hmm. But you can see that, again, innovation to be able to use the technology to... And, and if we're have, facing a nursing shortage in the state, Absolutely. we need to be able to get that information, that, that training out. In Hancock County, and it's a program that admits every other year, but... And we only have eight students in Hancock County, but over the last 12 years, um, we've had six graduating classes. When I walk into the local hospitals, it's, hey, Bon, how, how, what, you know, it was like, oh, I, these are like, the, uh, right. these nurses are, are, are nursing students. Um, so in that sense, I would say, yes, he's right. We need to do more. We are aware of it. Um, it's not a, a, a problem that's peculiar to the centers. It actually is owned by the campuses. Mm. Um, they're making progress. Um, higher education and health care are the two probably slowest moving. Um, <laughs> bear with us. We're getting there. And he does have advocates within the system to Great. try to make that better. One eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. If you'd like to participate in our conversation about higher education's role in preparing students for careers today and tomorrow, Joan, it sounds like um, your experience and Eric's experience had some commonalities in that you were taking courses from multiple kind of institutions. What was that like for you? Was that uh, both exciting and, and difficult? Uh, uh, it was exciting, uh-huh. um, just from different geographical perspectives. Um, being able to take a course from Fort Kent was, you know, quite fascinating for me, actually. Um, frustrating in that sometimes it's hard to get a hold of a faculty member that it, if you have a question mm. or um, a problem within the class. But on the whole, it was a very positive experience. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit more about how you've used um, your education to translate into into a job that you really like? Uh, well, I was interested in the social services and also the justice fields. Um, 
because um, Bonnie and her staff often offer panels mm -hmm. for students to come in and speak with um, local business people in different varying fields. Um, I became interested in drug court and researched it and ended up doing my internship. Um, I did two internships. I did one at drug court and also at the local uh, recovery Center, Open Door Recovery Center. And if, if listeners aren't familiar with what drug court actually means, could you d define it for us a little bit? Sure. Um, we take high-risk, high-needs um, people who have an addiction problem, and that often gets them in trouble with the law. Um, we bring them into a very structured environment that's highly monitored, um, that provides them with a whole person perspective. Mm -hmm. We deal with um, social skills, job skills, uh, getting treatment, mental health needs, uh, and any barriers they may have is housing, employment, education. Mm -hmm. um, and it's generally about a, a 15 to 18 month program. Um, and the goal is to um, provide an opportunity for this individual to have a different way of life instead of the revolving door within um, the jail system or the prison system. Um, and so basically, it, this is an alternative to being sentenced to a, 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 a prison or jail system. Basically, you're you're right. saying you're given a chance to have this whole person environment to support you in lots of different ways. And if you're successful, you don't have to go to jail. Uh, not necessarily. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, people that, you know, our clients, uh, when they graduate the program, they get uh, what they call a good sentence, which is often okay. reduced. Okay. Um, but that depends on the DA and the plea agreements that they come up with. But it's a fantastic um, opportunity to have an integrated team mm. throughout the community. And we do work heavily with our community um, for jobs, treatment, um, education, um, for them to have all the support um, and external motivation to do what they need to do in order to change their lives around. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like um, in your particular story, and, and sounds like in the stories that have been told, there's a blend of, of uh, tactical skills and communication skills, human relationship skills that come out um, in this. And that isn't necessarily always known. We, we think of, oh, education is about learning techniques and technology. But it sounds like you're talking about how to, how to talk with each other, how to communicate with each other, how to look at the whole person. Well, I think it's an ongoing process. Mm. I think, you know, we are human mm -hmm. and we make <laughs> mistakes and we take things personally when maybe we shouldn't. But um, it has been my experience that in within the Hancock County uh, community that they are really trying to create those bridges mm. between industries and needs um, and trying to be innovative in how they can solve these kind of problems mm. and also boost the economy um, mm -hmm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. We hear a lot, because this is an election season, about what's mm. going to save our economy. Sounds like you guys have been working on it for, you know, 20, 30 years. It's, it's about education. Um, so the economy is really about education. Bonnie, is that, is that how you see it? Or is that just my bias? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is about education, and um, like you said, it, we can't narrowly define education, um, but in our world, it, everything moves so fast. Mm. Um, you, I know you, all of us sitting here feel it, um, and so yes, we need to learn about the technology. We, we, we need to maintain our, our skill sets, but on the other hand, um, the world is getting smaller and we need to know about we know we need to know how to handle conflict we need to know how to be creative problem solvers um, we need to be intellectually astute quick flexible um, and um, and and I, I was reading a national science foundation report and um, it used, in reference to workforce skills, the term emotional resilience. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, what does that mean? Mm. And, I, and I just realized that, um, in fact, I said to somebody, what does this mean to you? <laughs> um, and he said, well, that means like when I fail, I don't take it personal and I, and I snap back. And I think that's a piece of what education does too. H trying to build that learner to understand that 
failure is a is a learning process and in our world as renee said it's um fail fast Mm -hmm. um recognize okay this didn't work onto something else because everything's going to move right by me if i don't do that (laughs) right so that resilience is about not getting stuck Correct. And, and we all get stuck in our lives. And what you're saying, it seems to me, is that, that education is a piece of that resilience. There's probably other pieces that we could put together. And I know that, uh, that we've had guests on Talk of the Towns before talking about um, resilience in, in terms of, of uh, drug abuse and addiction. That's an, an emerging theory of how do we build resilience in young people so that they have those skills and those aptitudes um, later on. So as we um, begin to close the hour, I don't think we're going to get more phone calls, but what's, what are some of your hopes? Um, Mickey, maybe start with you as, as, as you look ahead um, into the next, uh, let's say, decade in, in Ellsworth and Hancock County. What would you hope um, for this kind of education? That it is resilient, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it go, you know it's ongoing, mm-hmm. that the business community will even work closer, mm-hmm. and that people do understand the importance of the whole person and that the community has to realize that it it takes that whole person to keep it going and that we have to work in collaboration. And if you do fail, that's okay, but just keep going and keep working and trying new things. And that's what education is, Mm. that you have secure enough to do that. And the other thing you said was we, we want these people, whole people, in yeah. our communities because we rely on them as volunteers, as members of... The, it's volunteers, it's friendships, it's leaders, it's mentors. I mean, when you talk about an owner of a business, it's not just owning that business. Right, right. You're owning a community. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And you're owning yourself. And yeah. you're out there. And you need to show people that you believe in your community, you believe in in your business, and you believe in yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when you have those kind of people, the community will only grow. Right, right. Joan, what are your hopes? Um, you, you, kinda, you, can, you said um, earlier on that you kind of miss the atmosphere of, of the center. Um, it was giving you something. What are your hopes for future students um, at the Ellsworth Center and other centers like it throughout Maine? Well, we talk about learning the technology. It's my hope that that technology becomes more and more accessible for the community. Um, <laughs> you know, branching out even further um, to the to the deep recesses of Maine, but <laughs> um, but also of the of our country and the world. Mm. But um, that ability to reach out um, and learn and grow about <clears throat> a different communities from the country and from the world um, to allow people who are losing jobs to understand <coughs> that a crisis can be an opportunity that they can do something, that they can be empowered mm. to take control of not only their future, but their community's future. Mm, great. And it's, it strikes me as you think about technology reaching out into the world, Ellsworth used to be connected to the world because ships came to mm-hmm. Ellsworth. Right. Now um, we don't have to rely on, on physical ships, but we've got this technology right, that right. allows us to look at the world. Absolutely. Mm. Bonnie, what are your hopes for higher education and its role in the economy? Well, um, actually, I, I have one very kind of one hope is, um, and it's probably more like a project, but uh-huh. you know, projects start with that hope. Um, I'd like to see the center do more of what, as um, Renee said, STEM, the science, technology, engineering, and math. And um, I've actually been working with Mickey a little bit and mm-hmm. trying to um, uh, add to, we actually do offer several lab science courses and math courses, but really build something that is a program. Um, and, and that's a hope of mine that um, I, I, I hope that mm-hmm. we will pull off yep. in um, the next few years. And I think that will be very exciting for our community. And then um, I hope that um, the partnerships that we have in this community, that will continue uh, to leverage those partner- partnerships to to grow um, students and programs here. Right, and communities. <laughs> Great. We've come to that time when I want to remind listeners that you've um, this program was su- produced with support from Cooperative Extension and the Hancock County Extension Association. With offices in each county, Cooperative Extension is the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine. Our radio collaboration with WERU began in 1990 and continues with your support. Join us from 10 to 11 on the second and fourth Friday mornings of each month for Talk of the Towns. 
Our theme music is a medley from Coronach on a Balmain House Highland Music recording. Thanks again to our guests um, who are with us, Renee Kelly, who is with us by phone. Um, she's the Director of Economic Development Initiatives at the University of Maine. Bonnie Sparks is the Director of the Hancock County Higher Education Center, located at Ellsworth. Mickey Sumter is the Director of the Ellsworth Chamber of Commerce. Joan Piscora is a recent graduate of um, the Hancock County uh, the Higher Education System, I guess, who graduated from Augusta, as I recall. And Jean Edwards, who's an instructor, she would join us by phone as well. Um, so we, we thank our guests, we thank our listeners, um, thanks to our underwriters, thanks to Amy Brown for engineering our program, and stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond. This is Ron Beard, your host for Talk of the Towns, wishing you a good morning. You are listening to WRU.